Welcome back to Podcast Launchpad. I'm Kelly. I am finally set up in my new studio in my apartment in Houston after moving here about four weeks ago. I'm still playing with the sound. There was a huge echo when I first got started, and I keep adding sound-absorbing tiles, and I think I still need a few more. I tell you, it has been tough getting back to work. I haven't been on vacation I was selling my house in Pittsburgh, packing up, driving to Texas, then unpacking. Then I got a new computer. I upgraded from a MacBook Air to a MacBook Pro, much better RAM, sorry, unified memory, they call it. (laughs) This computer is so much faster, and I can have more than one app open at a time when I'm editing or working with an Adobe app. I used to have to quit and restart my memory-heavy apps all the time to keep them functional. So when I would be editing in Descript, I would have to quit it and restart to keep the editing going you know, and functioning really well. By the way, speaking of Adobe, Check out all the Adobe beta apps if you use Adobe. Oh my Lord, so many cool upgrades. If you normally use Canva, do check out Adobe Creative Cloud Express. You can finally do video, Instagram reels, and TikTok videos. It's awesome. All right, so last week, I did not put out a new episode because this computer was, and I think still is, having trouble staying connected to Wi-Fi. Apple checked it out virtually and in person. And right now, I'm physically connected to the router. And I was when I did a few uh, interview, guest interviews a few the past few days. But I may have to trade this sucker in for a new machine. Before I got the Ethernet adapter, I couldn't really do anything online last week. So couldn't really edit with Descript. I certainly couldn't upload anything. So not vacation, but just not working. So the focus of today's episode is putting systems in place to make your podcast easier to run and to account for unforeseen circumstances in the future. This is one of those circumstances, like with the technology and not being able to put out an episode last week. You just never know when technology may fail you. So why didn't any of my systems work to make sure I published an episode last week? Two, actually. My norm is two a week. So I had run through all the episodes that I had pre-scheduled for my move. I had pre-scheduled enough episodes for about six weeks. When it was time to schedule more, my internet connection wasn't stable. It wasn't stable enough to upload the episodes. I even had to reschedule several interviews that I was supposed to do last week. Sometimes shit really does happen that outwits your best laid plans and systems. So let's talk systems. I used to hate systems and plans of any kind. I liked spontaneity and having an open 
calendar. One of the things I most love about being an entrepreneur is having control over my own schedule. For the longest time, I resisted putting any systems in place in any part of my business or life. Now, I've always written things down, but I never systematized what I wrote down. I tried to memorize everything instead of creating repeatable workflows. In my early days of marketing consulting, I didn't even have a consulting contract template. I rewrote the thing for every new client. So I felt like I was customizing for each client, even though the contract ended up being essentially the same every time. In my early days of doing website design, I didn't create a new client intake form. With each new client, I scrambled to figure out what I needed from them and asked for it by email. And instead of getting some basic information from them ahead of time in the form of a new client intake form, I'd ask them questions in our first meeting that took them way too long to answer, you know, because they really had to think about the answers. Now, what really pushed me over to It pushed me over the edge to finally put systems in place was the realization that I already had a fabulous system in place in one part of my life. That is in my shower. You probably do too. Don't you get your best ideas in the shower? That's because everything is exactly in its right place. And you don't have to think about what you're doing when you take a shower. You know exactly where the shampoo is where the conditioner is, where the soap is, and where the face wash is. Shampoo, conditioner, body, face. When you don't have to think about what you're doing, you're fast, you're efficient, and you're creative. Your brain doesn't have to waste energy on thinking about the process. Instead, it can venture into other areas, which is why we get so many good ideas in the shower. So here's an idea of how that looks in podcasting. I have a system for editing. I do certain parts in a certain order. I don't think about it every time I start a new project. I'm not sitting here going, okay, what am I going to edit first? Am I going to cut out the ums first? Should I add studio sound first? Should I cut out long silences first? No, I have my system and I just get started. Since I'm not thinking about the process, my brain can be more creative about the actual editing. This is crucial because editing can be a real drag, as I'm sure you know. It can be super tedious and get really boring, especially if you have a lot of cuts to make. And it really does help to know what you're focusing on at that particular time instead of trying to do everything at once, like cut out the long silences and the ums and edit for content and look for what clips to pull out to make reels and you know social media assets. So the three systems that I recommend every podcaster have are a content calendar. Yes, that's a system. A standard operating procedure and a guest intake system, 
if you interview guests on your show. So if you don't interview guests on your show, then you've got two systems, a content calendar and a standard operating procedure. So let's start with the content calendar. I've discussed content calendars in some past episodes, but they are so important that they are worth talking about again. Your content calendar is where you keep track of all of your episodes. You track the release date, the episode number, topic, title, status of the episode, so written, recorded, edited, scheduled, or published. You track whether there's a guest or not, and you put the link to the episode on your website. Now, that's the minimum amount of info you need to track. I don't actually have separate columns for topic and title. Before I know the title, I just put the topic idea in the title column, and later I change that to the actual title. So I mentioned columns. My favorite place to keep my content is in a spreadsheet. And this is where I love Google Sheets. For all other documents, I use Apple, like Apple Pages and Apple Notes. Now, I do love Apple Numbers for other types of spreadsheets. You know, that's their spreadsheet document or, you know, that, that's their equivalent of a spreadsheet. But it's easier to share Google Sheets if I need it to, if I need to share it with someone who's not an Apple person. And Google Sheets really is just so easy to use. So that's what I use for my content calendar. Now, I would not create a content calendar in a project management system because knowing me, I would end up moving it to a different system one day. Then what a pain in the ass that would be to migrate the content calendar over to the new system. With a spreadsheet, it's super simple and you never have to migrate it anywhere. And if you did happen to migrate it to a new spreadsheet, you export as a CSV file, up, upload it to the new spreadsheet, and boom, it just works simply. You don't really need the spreadsheet to be fancy at all. It's just your basic columns and rows. That's it. And then you're putting the information into the cells. Now, I do recommend a spreadsheet instead of a word processor type document, you know, Word, Google Docs, or Apple Pages. It's much easier to just scan down and across a spreadsheet to see many episodes at once. You want to be able to glance at your content calendar and get a good snapshot of what's going on very quickly. So how do you get your content calendar system to work for you? If you're just starting out, or if you need several weeks worth of episode topics at once, check out episode 48 on how do I come up with episode ideas for my podcast, link in the show notes. That episode guides you through prompts to help you come up with at least 12 episode ideas in one short sitting, though you'll likely come up with way more than that. In general, what I do with my content calendar is I brainstorm ideas on an Apple note. Love my Apple notes. You could use physical paper, a dry whiteboard, post-it notes, or a word processor, word processor document. Write down all the episode topics you can think of. Next, look at your business calendar. Are you planning any launches in the next year? 
If you are, you'll want to time some related topics, um, podcast episode topics, to release in time to help promote your launch. Otherwise, you can schedule your episodes in whatever order makes sense to you. Maybe some episodes go in a logical order like my early ones did on this show. Maybe you've got a short series of episodes that go together. So you can schedule those to publish back-to-back over the course of a few weeks. You can go ahead and plug the episodes right into your content calendar by date. So that is by the date you anticipate publishing the episode. Decide what day of the week you're publishing on and go ahead and put those dates in the content calendar. Add the episode numbers, then put in the episode topics or preliminary titles if you already have ideas for those. Remember that you can always switch things around and reschedule your episodes. You know, it may look kind of daunting to do that, but you just cut, move that topic over to a free cell, move another one up, and then put that one in another cell. Okay, it's it's not that cumbersome. And if you're interviewing guests, schedule them wherever it makes sense by topic or simply by when you're interviewing them. For the status column of the content calendar, I keep track of where I am on that episode. So if I haven't done anything on that episode yet, it's just an idea and I've scheduled it out for however far in the future, that cell for status is blank. When I've written the outline or the interview questions, then I put a W for written. When I've recorded the episode, it gets an R. When I've edited it, it gets an E. When I've scheduled it, it gets an S. And when the episode has been published, I go back and I put a P. Also, when you've scheduled the episode on your website, you'll want to put the link to that page in the link column in your content calendar. This makes it much, much easier to find that link in the future. So when you want to share it in a future episode, you don't have to go to your website and then search for the episode. You can go to your content calendar and find it right there. Now, if you use PodPage as your podcast website, you'll have to wait until your episode goes live before you can get that link. All right. Let's move on to the next system I recommend every podcaster have, standard operating procedures. Standard operating procedures, or SOPs, streamline the workflow of creating your actual episodes. This is the shower effect. So in the shower, you've essentially memorized your routine. It's become a habit, like a muscle memory, right? So you don't have to think about what you're doing while you're doing it. Now, your podcast workflow is much more complex. So you're going to write it down so that you can check off each step. You will get so used to doing it that much of it will become routine. You will end up memorizing a lot of it. But even after more than 11 years of podcasting, I still use an SOP checklist to track my progress and make sure I don't forget anything. There are so many moving parts to producing each episode, whether you're doing it all yourself or outsourcing to assistants. 
I post my podcast to a podcast blog on my website. I have neglected to put the Captivate audio player on the episode post. Another time, I got the episode post ready on my website. Then I forgot to schedule the audio in Captivate. So that means on the podcast blog post on my website, of course it didn't have the audio player because I never scheduled it in Captivate, my podcast hosting provider. So on the day that the podcast was supposed to go live, it didn't because it wasn't in Captivate. And the blog post also didn't go live because I don't schedule it until after I schedule and Captivate. So that's sort of a a backup. But ah, good Lord. Also, most likely, you're not producing the episode from start to finish in one sitting. That is, you're probably not writing, recording, editing, creating the episode cover art, writing the show notes, and scheduling all at the same time. I recommend batching, where you write several episodes in one sitting. You record several episodes in another sitting, and you edit several episodes in yet another sitting. That is a system unto itself. So how your SOP helps you is that you're literally checking off the steps you've taken so that when you come back to that episode another day, you know exactly where you left off and what you need to do next. Now, this is different from the status uh, column on your content calendar because that's very general, you know, written, recorded, edited, scheduled, or published. Your SOP is going to go into more detail than that. When you follow an SOP checklist, you have much less to think about. That way, you have more brain energy to be creative. Now, where can you use that creativity? In editing for content, in writing your show notes, and in creating social media assets. Just three examples. So how do you come up with your SOP? One way is to write down your major steps the next time you produce an episode. Now, you can also brainstorm the steps, you know, if you want to do it before your next episode. And then while you're going through that next episode, fill in any blanks that you may have left out. And be sure to include the items that you outsource to other people. You don't have to include every tiny detailed individual step unless you need those prompts until they become a habit. So my solo episode SOP includes write outline, record, create episode cover art, create YouTube thumbnail, edit. Now I edit the video and export the audio and video as separate files. Create social media clips, write the show notes and a title. It's just all one. Write social media descriptions, create podcast blog posts, schedule the captivate, post audio player to podcast blog post, schedule blog post, then share to social media on published date. My guest episode SOP is similar, except that I sent the edited video to Podbrand for them to create the social media clips. I also make sure to get a bio and photo from the guest. And then I send the social media assets to the guest before the publish date and send them a reminder 
on the published date. Now, where do you keep your SOP? There are three options that I recommend. First, you could use a spreadsheet. In the spreadsheet, you would put the SOP steps in the top row, and I like to freeze that row. Then you'd put each episode that you're working on in a new row underneath that. You'll be working on more than one episode at a time, right? So this gives you a great view of all the active interviews, uh, active episodes, and what stage each one is in. When you've completed an episode, you just delete that row. You do not need to keep a running list of completed episodes. This is not your content calendar. In fact, you may be working on episodes out of order. All right, so just delete completed episodes when they're done. Don't ever delete the content calendar. You're keeping that forever. The SOP spreadsheet, delete each episode as it's done. The second option is to use Podcast SOP. This is a service created by Alex Sanfilippo at PodPros. I love Podcast SOP because you can create multiple SOP templates in your account, choose the template based on what kind of episode that is, and even add or delete tasks based on the specific needs of that episode. So in a spreadsheet, you would need separate spreadsheets for guest episodes versus solo episodes. Or if you keep them in one spreadsheet, you'd have blank cells for solo episodes for a column, you know, for a task such as get photo on bio and send assets, social media assets to guests. Now that would get confusing when you're glancing down your columns and you see blank cells. My brain would go, oh my gosh, I haven't done something there. And your columns are going in, in order of completion. So if you have a blank cell in column number three, you shouldn't be going to column number four yet, right? These steps need to be in order. So if, you know, column number three is blank, that may be for get photo and bio from guest. And so I shouldn't be going to the next step yet. But if it's a solo episode, then I've skipped that one. Now you could put something in it like an X or a, a dash, you know, if you're just not doing that one. So it's up to you, but that would kind of throw me. So in Podcast SOP, you see all of your episodes on one screen. You see what percentage you've completed on that episode. Then you click on each episode to access the checklist and see what stage you're at in that episode. You can also put the episode number and publish date if you know those already. All right, the third option for where to put your SOP is using a project management system such as Dubsado, ClickUp, Asana, whatever you like. This requires creating a template of tasks then copying it for each new episode. I think it still works like that. I don't use this option for my SOP, never have. Actually, I started it once and you did have to, at that point, copy the template for every new episode, just too cumbersome for me. Now, if you're skilled at project management systems or want to hire a pro to set it up for you, this is a great option when you work with an assistant, 
or multiple people to outsource some or all of your tasks. This system can notify other users when it's their turn on, you know, to take over a task or when a task has been completed by someone else. And the system can send reminders when a task hasn't been completed by a certain deadline. So that's really, really, a project management system is really, really helpful when you're collaborating with other people on your podcast workflow. All right. Let's talk briefly about the final system I recommend every podcaster have if you have guests on your show, a guest onboarding system. I mentioned in episode 85, how to be a great host for your guest, link in the show notes, that I have two separate ways to onboard guests to my show. One way is for guests who ask me to be on my show. And the second way is for guests whom I invite onto my show. For guests whom I invite onto my show, I create essentially a concierge service for them. I send them the direct link to schedule a time to record. Now, I do need a photo and uh, yeah, I need a photo from them. I was going to say photo and bio. Sometimes if they don't send me a photo in time, I've ended up getting a photo from their Facebook profile or from LinkedIn, and I will look around. You know, I'm not going to put pick a random casual photo. I will look around at other interviews they've done, and I will try to find the exact same photo that they that they use professionally. And if I can find that, I'll use that without asking them to send it to me. And if I can't find a really professional looking photo, then I will get in touch. And I said, hey, you know, can you please send it like right now? Now, I do not always or often ask them for a bio. I'll dig around their website, social media, LinkedIn, and other interviews they've done to put together something of my own to try to make it a little special. So basically, I make onboarding as simple for them as possible. I do pretty much all the work. Now, for guests who ask me to be on my show, I have a totally different process. I send them to an intake form on my website. They give me their contact info and a specific topic for the episode. I ask for their bio and some bullet points for their topic. Like, I want to know what they mean by their topic and what I can expect them some of what I can expect them to say. They can give me any questions that they want to be sure that I ask, and I give them my email address to send me a photo or two to use for the cover art. Only after submitting the intake form do they get an email with the link to schedule a time to record. I have found in the past that when I let guests schedule first, many of them never fill out the intake form. This way, if they don't fill out the form, they don't get to schedule. But you see why I don't have guests whom I invite on the show fill out the form. I'm reaching out to them. I'm not going to make them jump through hoops after I approach them. Now, some guests who reach out to me, I don't require to fill out the intake form either. It really depends on the person, how much info they send me when they reach out, 
and whether I already know them or not. If they send me pretty much everything I need when they reach out, like really good guest outreach, or while we're chatting about being a guest, then we just skip the form and go ahead and schedule. So here's a tip. For lots of great info on being a fabulous podcast guest, check out episode 88, Why and How Most Podcast Guests Fuck Up the Opportunity with John Ball. Link in the show notes. So I do recommend having an onboarding system in place, such as an online form. And you'll definitely want to use an online scheduling system for your guests, whether they are guests you've invited or guests who reach out to you. For guests with difficult time zones, you can certainly schedule manually. And sometimes you'll just have to schedule manually anyway. So I'm in the U.S. central time zone. When I'm interviewing someone in Europe, Asia, or Australia, I have to do it manually most of the time. All right, quick recap. The three systems I recommend are a content calendar, podcast standard operating procedure, and a guest onboarding system. The easiest place to keep your content calendar and SOP are in a spreadsheet, but you could also use podcastsop.com or a project management system for your SOPs. The easiest way to do a guest onboarding system is through online forms and an online scheduling system. I use HoneyBook for both. You can use a project management system or Google Forms and an online scheduler. That is it for today. Thank you so much for being here. Be sure to follow this show so you don't miss a single episode. And I will see you next time on Podcast Launchpad. Thank you.